This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Well, it's a special edition of the Blue Bomber Podcast. No Doug Brown. He's out enjoying the wilds of northern Manitoba, so we'll give Doug a pass this week. We are at IGF on location, so to speak. The voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob Irving, one Hall of Famer for another. How about that? Thanks for sharing. Thanks for downloading. And, of course, thanks for subscribing to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. We also want to hear your feedback. Get your feedback on all things Blue Bombers. We'll talk about the fact that the Bombers are 4-3. and three. Could they been six and one with a little bit of luck i'll ask bob about that we'll also talk about the emergence of jovan santos knox and his incredible play and maybe the overall improved play of the blue bomber defense and i'm going to take bob back in time to august 8th 1981 and see what he remembers about a big a big event, what I consider one of the 15 most memorable moments in Blue Bomber history, as an Alouette's quarterback who came from the United States, much heralded, came into Winnipeg and found out what life in the CFL was all about, much like Johnny Manziel did against the Hamilton Tiger Cats Friday night. So let's get her going. Bob, when we start uh, with uh, Friday night and Johnny Manziel real quick, I was on my way home from Chicago and in Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, and every television in the sports bars in the airport had that Hamilton-Montreal game on the TV. It was very unusual to see Canadian football down in the United States, but this is the potential impact, I guess, of Johnny Manziel. Didn't go so well on the field, though. No, it didn't. And the argument, Greg, for having Manziel up here playing is the exposure that it would give to the Canadian Football League south of the border because of his history, Heisman Trophy winner, and of course his troubled background I think brings attention to him as well more than he would like. So I'm not surprised that although the guys on Pardon the Interruption uh, dismissed his performance very readily saying that the guy hasn't played for five years and what was anybody expecting and why should anybody think he'd be a good pro quarterback? I think all of which are legitimate questions. Uh, It's a small sample size. I watched the game very carefully and very closely. I, I would question his arm strength a little bit based on what I saw in that game, and and I understand it was his first game, and he was probably pressing, and he doesn't know the plays as well as he should and all the rest of it. He certainly has that elusive quality that made him such a star in college. One of the criticisms of Johnny Manziel in terms of his quarterbacking abilities is that he ad-libs too much and doesn't immerse himself in the playbook enough and he thinks he can just play sandlot football for the rest of his life well if that's true he's in you know he's never going to amount to anything in my opinion because you can't do that you certainly have more room to do it up here than you do south of the border but you can't make a living doing that so you know i saw some things that that were encouraging um but i saw a lot of things that were disturbing i think in fairness to him we need to see more of him obviously the learning curve 
coming from south to north is much steeper than anybody realizes, especially at that position. Especially. It's one thing for a receiver or a linebacker, but for a quarterback, the extra man, the motion, the width of the field, some of those throws you have to make. Jeremiah Mazzoli makes that cross-field throw as well as anybody. He's got a strong arm. I don't know if Manziel can make that throw quite as effectively, but again, I want to see more of him before I pass judgment. So, I guess my final thing is, uh, let's see him play a few more games before we draw any conclusions, but certainly what a rough start. Wow. Here's former NFL star Shannon Sharp, and you will hear a little bit of Skip Bayless from their show, Undisputed, from ESPN and their take on how Manziel did Friday night. Are you surprised by his performance? No, um, I thought it would be bad. I didn't think it would be this bad. <laughs> um, Skip, I thought he could make some plays with his legs. I knew his arm would struggle because of the accuracy. Yeah. And plus, he hadn't been playing fo- in a, you no. know, football, regulation football for an extended period of time. Skip, they were bad. They were really, really, really bad. Remember, he's going against his former team that I yeah. think took it personally that he's getting thrown into the starting lineup so quickly. Go ahead. And, it, and I guess that's why they're like, yeah, okay, we'll trade you yeah, over watch there. this, yeah. Hopefully we, oh, mm. yeah, if oh, we play y'all next week, yeah, go on and get it. Mm-mm. If I can give him any credit, I do give him credit for the way he handled himself in the post-game news yes. conference with the media. He was very contrite about his performance and uh, something that uh, people are not necessarily familiar with or usual uh, sort of actions on behalf of, of Manziel. It, it was very mature yeah. the way he handled things afterward. Well, the way he's handled himself from the day he arrived in Canada, Greg, I've been impressed with. He seems like and sounds like somebody who's growing up, like a mature individual. He's put his past behind him. He's not afraid to say that, hey, it'll always haunt me. I understand that. Uh, he hasn't made mu- one misstep, in my view, since he came here. And, yeah, the way he handled the, the post-game press conference was fantastic. I mean, some guys might have run and hid. I don't know. But, uh, no, he's done everything that you could ask him to do in terms of his public appearance. Now, Johnny Football, get on the field and do something to revive football in Montreal and create interest around the league. Hey, Montreal's coming here in a few weeks. Wouldn't it be great if he was playing well and what a what an attraction that would be? There's two ways you, you either go about this moving forward. Um, one, you can let this get you down and sulk and, uh, and harm you moving forward. The other way is to just take this on the chin like a man and never allow this taste to creep back in your mouth again and never let this happen again. Well, we'll talk about a game that took place August 8th, 1981 with a lot of fanfare, a lot of anticipation of an Alouette quarterback with an American birth certificate who had done some special things in the United States. We'll talk about that in a minute. Bombers 4-3 and three heading into this game against Hamilton and you could argue the only team in the league that's really beaten the Blue Bombers so far is Hamilton. The Bombers, maybe you could argue, beat themselves in the home opener against Edmonton and certainly in that road loss against British Columbia. Nobody would argue with that statement. This team really could be 6-1 and one without much difficulty. Do the players think about stuff like that or do they have to put it in the rear view mirror or is it, is it all too enticing to go, oh, you know, really, we, we could be 6-1. and one. I think the fans and the media think more about it than they do, Greg, although, you know, they, they do have their private moments where especially the BC game, especially the BC game, the Edmonton game, that was the season opener. That's a long time ago now. They didn't have Matt Nichols at quarterback, but that game in BC, I know it still bothers them. We're four and three. Yeah. I'm looking at a missed opportunity in BC. You know, it's hard to put out of your head. You know, 
catching some big fish would do that help you put it out of your mind but you, it, for some reason it just it keeps creeping in there going boy that that really stinks uh, where they were up 17-0 and had a chance to close it out and just had so much go wrong in the second half. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Stopped in short yardage plays, questionable calls and all the rest of it. So I would say 5-2 and two is where they should be. The Edmonton game, they don't have nickels and they can't stop Mike Riley at the end on a long, field-long drive to win the game. So give Edmonton credit. And the Bombers were right there for sure. Uh, but that BC game, I think about it even periodically now. And man, oh man when you think about and in Toronto or won a game against Ottawa the other night that was very similar to that in some ways and in some ways it wasn't but it's the beauty of the CFL I guess but no the Bombers uh, they really they did themselves in in that BC game they were their own worst enemy and as I say events kind of conspired to to go against them Travis Lule's first game as a starter and all the rest of it but well, they've won two in a row. They're four and three. Could be easily five and two. But I don't think, you know, players put it behind them and could have, would have, should have, right? Every team in the league can say something like that. Gee, if we look at Ottawa, should be five and two instead of four and three, the way they blew that game against Toronto. So I don't think players dwell on that. No, a long answer to your question, but I don't believe players dwell on that at all. They can't. I know we speak an awful lot about the Blue Bomber offense of what they're capable of doing and what they have been doing, certainly in terms of the rushing game in particular, the number of points they're putting up on the board. I think I whispered to you prior to the start of the season, I think this offense might be able to score 40 a game, and you didn't give me much of an argument. And, you know, here we are. They're averaging, uh, you know, about 35, 36 points a game as we sit here and watch them practice getting ready for Hamilton Friday night. But maybe we should focus a little bit more on what this defense is starting to do. Obviously, the addition of Adam Bighill right near the end of the offseason was a gigantic improvement in terms of what they have at middle linebacker. Kevin Fogg has really seen a resurgence from the struggles he had last year and the emergence and maybe the trajectory of Javon Santos Knox and what he's been able to bring to the field game in, game out, series in, series out. Well, Santos Knox would be, in my view, Greg, the one of the rising stars in this league. You know, he, he didn't start until I think there were seven or eight games left last year when he first got his chance to start. He played on special teams up till then. But uh, man, oh man, he has just taken off. And, you know, what he's doing is not by accident. He, he's a, a real bright kid. Uh, he's, Michael Shea was asked the other day about his ceiling. What's his ceiling? Well, who knows, right? He had 10, 10 uh, tackles and three sacks in the game the last time the Bombers played. Well, you're not going to do that every week, but uh, no, he's a he's an outstanding young talent and one that, uh, gosh, if you want to look down the road a bit, uh, the Bombers are going to have to make every effort to re-sign when this season ends because his contract is up. And whether or not he's got some thoughts about playing South, Greg, I don't know. He hasn't talked about that. I Is he big enough? Is he big enough to play well, down South? Yeah, that's a good question. He's a little bit undersized. Same story about linebackers in this league. They're a little bit undersized. He certainly has the quickness and speed and the intelligence to play, I think, anywhere. Is he big enough? I don't know. Uh, will he be sort of lured by the thought of playing in the National Football League and want to give it a shot as Ian Wilde did a couple of years ago? He's bigger than Ian, a little bit bigger than Ian. Anyway, not much, but a little bit 
bit. Uh, I don't know for sure, but uh, yeah, he's he's developed into a tremendous, tremendous player. And having Adam Bighill beside him, of course, uh, doesn't hurt either because Adam can teach him an awful lot about the game of football. So uh, the thing about Santos Knox that I like is he's such a sort of a charming, engaging young guy, you know, and wonderful to talk to. And he just loves being here and playing as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, you discovered this game up here. The Canadian Football League is better than maybe you thought it was. Talk a bit about that. Man, it just, there's great players up here, great athletes. Um, I got a whole new respect just for, you know, how, how, how um, intense the fans are, how into it, how much tradition there is up here. You know, you think, oh, this must be, you know, it's not the NFL, so it must be a small league. This league has been up and running for so long, and you can just see the intensity that the, the fans bring to every game, and it makes you, you know, brings the best out of you. And players, you know, there's so many good players out here, and, you know, just a new respect for, for this league, definitely. And such a different game with the wider field, 12 a, players, the motion. Yeah, you know, and not many skills. Now, you know, sometimes the skill sets from down south, you know, don't translate up here. And that's what people don't realize that, you know, it's football, but it's still a different game. And, you know, you still got to put the same work in and the same intensity because, um, you know, there's a lot of great players. You will get exposed. Yeah. Do you feel this team is coming around now? You've got your record to four and three, won two games in a row. You know, I think we're taking the right steps um, towards being the team that we want to be and being the great defense that we want to be. Um, you know, still, we, you know, everything that happened in the beginning of the seasons in the past, and you just want to build off of what we've been doing. So um, our goal is just to get better each game. And if we do that, you know, great things will happen. A lot of guys like that. I think that's been the key yeah. to the success of what they're building here uh, at the Winnipeg Football Club is just this idea of getting quality individuals, guys that are here for the right reason. Uh, Nick Densky, he wasn't on my list, but, uh, you know, guy that comes home and is, is doing what he's doing and the chemistry that's starting to develop between he and Matt Nichols is pretty impressive. So we watched him in university, Greg, and he was a four-time All-Canadian. He was a receiver, a running back, a kick returner. We knew he'd be a first-round pick. He was by Saskatchewan. Tremendous athletic ability. Injuries in Saskatchewan held him back a little bit. He never really got a chance there either, but the injuries were part of that. Then he's a free agent and the Bombers know about his athletic ability and his talent, and they go out and, and sign him immediately, bring him home, and Paul Apolis has incorporated him, into this, incorporated him into this offense in a big way. And, of course, he's coming off his best game against Toronto two weeks ago. You know, the minute they signed him, I talked to some people and I said, this guy has a chance to be a star. And I remember interviewing Nick shortly after the signing and I said, do you think you can be a star in this league? And he said, yeah, I do. So he doesn't want for confidence. He's, he's always lacked a real chance. Now, if he can stay healthy, and we can say this about any player, but to me, if he can stay healthy, and I don't know if he'll put up big numbers, Greg, because of the way this offense is structured, everybody gets a piece of the pie, whether it's Darvin Adams or Weston Dressler or whoever. You know, you're not going to be the kind of the one guy that they focus on, unless it's Andrew Harris periodically. But, uh, no, Nick Dembski's become a big, big part of what goes on here. And he's just a tremendous... We saw his talent in that Toronto game two weeks ago just scream out. His speed, his ability to run down the sidelines. I can still see it in my mind's eye. Not everybody can do that. That's a play that not everybody can make. So it's kind of fun to see, and I know he's loving doing it here at home. Does it make someone like Timothy Flanders now all of a sudden expendable? You know, Flanders, uh, is it going to be tough for the Bombers to justify putting him back in the lineup? Because I'd sure like to see it myself, but... 
while Flanders won't become expendable, I think he'll be here all year because they have such high regard for him and he's a great insurance policy, but I don't know how they get him on the roster unless there's an injury. He's an American. There's no spot for him. Andrew Harris is a Canadian. Nick Dembski is a Canadian. He'd play one of those two spots. So unless there's an injury and perish that thought, I just don't know how Tim Flanders, Timothy Flanders gets on the roster. But then again, having said that, injuries are part of this game and uh, you never know what's going to happen. But he'll be here. He'll be here all year as a guy you can turn to if you need to. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown in iTunes or at cjob.com. The heat is going to be an issue this week. I know a lot of the players who are from down south, they'll tell you they love the heat. That's the way they grew up. Yeah. But you do become acclimatized to the cool, the cooler weather that, you know, that... Let's face it, 35 degrees is not 40 degrees in, in Tallahassee or in, you know, in Shreveport, Louisiana or some of these southern locales. Uh, do the players talk about it with you and do you think it's a source of concern? No, I don't. They, they don't talk about it very much at all. This would be one of the things that Michael Shea would tell the players not to talk about and that's things you can't control. And one of them is the weather. So if it's extremely hot or extremely cold, let's not focus on it because that distracts you from what you're doing. Jackson Jeffcoat, uh, one of the bomber defensive ends, I think had the best comment for me a couple of weeks ago, Greg, when I asked him about the heat and he just looked at me and he kind of laughed. He said, the heat? <laughs> now he's from Texas, right? He yeah. said, this isn't hot. <laughs> I said, well, for us it is, Jackson. He says, I know that. But he says, this is not hot for most of us from the U.S. And for the Canadian kids, of course it is. But... Uh, you know, they've played football all their lives in some hot weather. So and I, I just, if you're hydrated, of course, they have to hydrate. I mean, physically, they have to be ready for it. But that's uh, that's pounded home all week long and, and all season long to the players is hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. So, no, I think it's more of a talking point than it is an issue for the players. 1981, August 8th, to be specific, almost 33,000 people at the old Winnipeg Stadium. In fact, I think to that point, it was the largest crowd ever to see a football game in, in Manitoba because they just added the upper deck on the east side of the Winnipeg Stadium and a young man by the name of Vince Ferragamo comes into Winnipeg with a bunch of other NFL highly touted American talent James Scott, David Overstreet, Billy White Shoes Johnson the list was fairly lengthy Nelson Scalbania wrote some pretty big checks in, in order to try and make the Alouettes competitive and not only competitive I think he had desires for, to dominate the CFL. Well, it didn't exactly work out that way for the Alouettes, but I think that whole era was really exemplified on that August night as the Bombers laid down a 58-2 beating of the Alouettes and the crowd. I was in the crowd uh, in the Salisbury House section. We want 60. We want 60. <laughs> you know, yeah, I remember that game. I don't remember a lot of the details surrounding it, but I remember Eugene Goodlow having a, a big night. I remember Greg more than anything the hype surrounding the game and before it was played with all these high priced stars and Ferragamo the former LA Ram and Billy White Shoes Johnson and I can't remember David Overstreet I think was one of their running backs at that time but the hype surrounding it was just incredible and the crowd as you say the game was sold out and Dieter Brock was in the throes of a, another 
one of his most outstanding player years and and I know Winnipeggers kind of you know how Winnipeggers feel this inferiority complex a little bit and it's like oh here come these big high paid guys from Montreal to take on our little old bombers here and uh, and so the hype surrounding it was incredible us against them you know the David and Goliath and all that stuff and then the game starts and man it wasn't even close and the bombers were uh, they're a very good team at that time uh, this was during the Edmonton dynasty when they couldn't quite get over the hump the bombers but they were very good that year and uh, man it was no contest it was beyond anything that any of us expected uh, you know and Ferragamo was revealed to be not a not a phony but he he could just could never could master this game and we saw more of that but uh, yeah it was it was a night to remember 58 to 2 though who would who would have imagined that and then the chance of we want 60 <laughs> uh, and Ray Yock was happy to give it to them if they could have too yeah Ray Yock uh, uh, Mike Swatsky uh, our colleague from the Winnipeg Free Press uh, did a great write up on it last weekend remembering uh, that game and when I saw Johnny Manziel doing what he was doing Friday night that was the game I thought of immediately yeah. you know this newly high, you know highly touted American quarterback he's going to come up and tear up the Canadian Football League and Ferragamo had done some impressive things in his rookie year with the Rams and of course went back down to the NFL and, and I mean he wasn't terrible he was you know he was a decent quarterback I don't know if he just couldn't count to 12 Bob I guess we'll really never know the, the true story as to why he couldn't succeed here in the Canadian Football league but it is a different game and i think to be honest with you i don't know if the game's ever been played at as high a level as it is played now you mentioned you know the eskimos the dynasty of the the late 70s early 80s and Dieter brock and you know those were the heyday for us but when you look at how well every player plays at every position now this game i don't think has ever been better I think, Greg, it's like all sports. The athletes are bigger, stronger, and faster than they ever were. And and this league, this game, is no different. The offensive linemen, for example, today, they're all 300 pounds or more. Back then, you'd have some guys 260, 275. John Bonk, when he played center for the Bombers, was about 250, as I recall. Well, you wouldn't see an offensive lineman that size now. So it's just the, the evolution of of athleticism, I guess, in, you know, as years go by and the guys now train harder than they ever did they're in shape all year round you don't come to training camp to get in shape the way you used to many years ago you better be in shape or you won't be around more than one or two days so yeah I see it I I see the players better conditioned bigger stronger faster than they ever were and it's not just this league it's it's everywhere right Okay, bonus question. You brought it up, how well-conditioned people are. Terrell Owens went did a workout for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or for Chris Jones or well, whatever the scenario was. We know Edmonton had him on his negotiation list. You have been very vocal about your opinion on this on Twitter. What it, What is it about an athlete like Terrell Owens that would have Chris Jones even spend five seconds sitting down to consider bringing him into the Canadian Football League? Well, I think uh, I want to give Chris Jones the benefit of the doubt here because I think this is all a bunch of nonsense for the CFL to even be entertaining this. I think it's embarrassing for the league, quite frankly, but um, Chris Jones was happened to be there on their bye week, and uh, um, Terrell Owens was in the sort of neighborhood, and so it kind of worked out that he would work him out there. Jones said one thing, Greg, that told me all I needed to know after the workout. He said, yeah, he's fast, and he ran some good routes, but... He's got to get in football shape. He's got to get in football shape. 
that's all you need to say as far as I'm concerned. So the guy's 44 and he can run fast. Lots of 44-year-old guys can still run fast, but can they play football? And I know Owens is a specimen. I get that. We all can see how cut he is and, and all the rest of it. But he's 44 years old. In this game, on either side of the border, aside from a quarterback, nobody's ever played this game at 44. Correct me if I'm wrong. And it just I just don't think it can be done. And I think it's a waste of time, a colossal waste of time. And I, I, why the two, Edmonton had him on their neg list, Saskatchewan worked him out. Why they're doing that is beyond me. I can tell you this without any question of a doubt, Bob. I'm as, as fast now at 48 as I was when I was 18. How about that? I believe you. <laughs> I can tell you that at my age, I'm not. I'm as fast now as I was two years ago. <laughs> but, you know, what's the saying? The older we get, the better we were, Bob. Yeah. Thanks for this. Uh, always so gracious with your time. We appreciate you filling the void left by Big 97. By the way, uh, Doug Brown tweeted a picture of himself in the lake and I think he said he caught a fish with his hands you'll have to ask him about that but I I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking wait a minute I know Doug has exceptional talents in some areas but he can actually go fishing in the lake without a fishing rod and catch a fish I want an explanation from him when he comes back speaking of a guy who looks as good now as he's ever looked uh, Doug Brown he'll be back with us next week thank you for sharing thank you for downloading and certainly thank you for subscribing and rating the Blue Bomber podcast this week without Doug Brown but we had a pretty good pretty good substitute in Bob Irving hope you have a great week we'll catch up with you next week we'll uh, set up Bombers and Red Blacks I almost said Rough Riders Bob the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown that is wow that's fantastic I like that make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com